And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other amazing podcasts like No Straight Path, hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde. Now, by shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes, social media highlights, and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective. Featuring guests from all walks of life, No Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspectives of success. Now, if some of these topics at home, you're going to love this show. Success is all about maximizing happiness. An interview with Esther Agbaji about finding your voice. Success is communal with Yvonne Doc Aswad. Now, if these topics are interesting to you, make sure to check out No Straight Path wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, you're going to hear me on the Reveal Media podcast with CEO of Reveal Media, Cap Chatfield. We go into four reasons why most B2B podcasts suck and then discuss how you can leverage podcasts to drive revenue, convert more customers and market your business. Review Media presents B2B Podcasting. Hey gang, welcome back to B2B Podcasting, the official show for B2B CEOs, brand leaders, marketing leaders, and sales leaders to help them skip ads and be the show. It's all about creating content that actually you know, attracts audiences rather than repels them and helps you build a brand and generate demand so that you can grow your business. I'm your host, Cap Chatfield, and we have a recurring guest today. We got Scott Clary, uh, my new brother from another mother from Florida. Still got to meet you in person, but man, it's been really fun to connect with you. And before we hop into the the meat of this episode, you got some new stuff going on. I think since the last time we connected on the show, you switched your role, you switched your, uh, how you're making, making a living. So what are you doing these days? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I don't remember the last time we spoke on this show, but yeah, I'll give you the most recent version of what I'm working on. Um, so I do a couple things. Obviously, if you look, you know, you Google me, there's a whole bunch of I have a website, blog, newsletter, podcast, all that personal brand stuff. I can go into that all day. Um, The company that I'm working for right now as CEO and co-founder is OnMePatch. So we're a transdermal vitamin patch company. So it's a nutraceutical company. Um, My history has always been in tech. So if, if, 
if I'm thinking about the company you're talking about, my last company was acquired about a year ago and that was a, a B2B like broadcast SaaS company. So a, a, definitely a pivot, but I mean, I'm still an operator. I'm still building stuff from zero to one to one to 10 to 10 to wherever it goes. Um, and I love it. It keeps me relevant. So that, that's, that's where I'm great. at right now. You're also what I would call a serial content creator. So you got your own show, you got a YouTube channel yeah. blowing up on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, so it's, we have you on the show specifically because one thing that I hit you up about was what are four mistakes that you would recommend avoiding for those who are getting into the world of B2B podcasting? Last time you and I wrapped, it was like really all the reasons why you'd want to start a show specifically mm -hmm. because of the scalability of the content um, and building a brand and building uh, an audience that you can eventually monetize over time. I mean, mm -hmm. the value of a personal brand is just, it's absolutely remarkable. But today I wanted to talk about like some pitfalls to avoid. Just so you guys know, I asked Scott like maybe an hour or two ago, what are the four mistakes that he would avoid? And my man had to Google it. My man had to like go to Google and see like, what are people saying? Because his show is obviously working really well for him. Um, but let's, let's do this. You know, why? Let's, you know why I had to Google it? I had why? to Google it because of the reasons that I actually, when I'm starting to do research for the show, I'm like, oh yeah, these are good reasons as to why B2B podcasts suck and why I actually don't love listening to a lot of B2B podcasts because of oh, this. And then I'm like, so like, this is why I'm like, well, I don't listen to a lot of B2B podcasts. And then when I start to dive into the reasons that people complain about, it makes a lot of sense as to why I listen to shows that I actually like that I understand that are targeted towards me targeted or, or they the content is useful for me. Right. And we'll go yeah. into sort of the nuances of what useful is and what, um, and why some shows resonate with me more, but I don't listen to a lot of shitty podcasts, but I also don't listen to a lot of B2B podcasts. So that's a, that's a, like the huge issue. I listen to I listen to podcasts that teach me about a variety of different things. But unless I'm trying to solve a particular problem in my business, then I don't love B2B podcasts. I find a lot of them really miss the mark when it comes to like consumer consumer or B2C podcast or just like entertainment podcast. So how do we bridge that gap? So I'm like, okay, so I actually don't know what sucks because I don't listen to it, but there's a reason why I'm not listening to it. So let's figure <laughs> it out. So and, and it's, it's actually, good, it's a, I'm really yeah. glad you said that because we didn't even talk about that before the pre-show, but I, when you started saying that, I was like, dude, you're right. Like I don't, there's just, there's such an abundance of content on the internet right now you got like, you don't even have time to listen to all the shows that you would want to watch or, or listen to. And so creating really quality content is extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, and what you just said is a reason why a lot of B2B leaders don't actually start a show, even though it is probably the most cost effective, the most efficient, um, in my mind, the most strategic way to create content scale. A lot of people are saying, well, I don't even listen to this stuff. So why would I start it myself? So I think that's great. Why don't we just go through this list? We want to keep this kind of an airtight mm -hmm. episode. Um, what our goal is, is going to be to pick four things from that list of like reasons why um, people, you know, or B2B podcasts end up sucking and then talk about them a little bit. And then we'll take uh, Scott, I'll just have you send the link for that to me. And then we'll put that in the description so people can read the full article. But why don't you share the first one from that list that sticks out to you? Yeah. Okay. So actually even in this list, which we'll, we'll link, there's actually 11, but there's four that I was looking. So when you, when we jumped on the call 15 minutes ago, you were like, Hey, did you get your list? I'm like, shit. No, I didn't. I actually just got a whole <laughs> list, but I actually in that, in that 15, whatever, 30 seconds before the show, I skimmed it. And I found four that I 
thought were actually like the most relevant things that may be simple things, but I think they're overlooked. So I'll go through, I'll just start with the first one. I thought I think it's a very important thing to think about because I've actually heard this particular point discussed on someone else's show, uh, the MarTech podcast uh, by Ben Shapiro. Um, and he's created a, an incredibly successful uh not just one B2B podcast, but he's created like five or six at this point. He's created a lot of B2B podcasts successfully. So the first point actually speaks about understanding the medium that you're actually speaking to, understanding the difference between a B2C and a B2B audience. And what a lot of B2B leaders who want to start a podcast will do, and we're not going to go into the benefits of B2B podcasting today. That's another conversation, but say you're already bought into it. Um, they try and emulate what a B2C podcast is. And if you think of like the B2C podcast, it's like the Valuetainments or the Joe Rogans or the celebrities yeah. that people love them and they want to hear them speak for forever. That's okay, <laughs> but that's not B2B. B2B, there's usually something very, like you think about the person that you're going to be targeting the content towards. This person is hyper-focused on figuring out a solution. I even alluded to this when we first started <laughs> yeah. chatting. When do I listen to podcasts? When I'm trying to figure out a problem. So I don't need fluff. I don't need anecdotes. I need tactical solutions to problems that I'm facing in my day to day. And the problem that B2B podcasts, the, the trouble that B2B podcasts find themselves in is they try and act like a, a, an entertainment podcast and they do not get to the tactical things immediately. So it could be because they, they just love podcasts and they try and emulate what they know. I don't know the reason why, but if you have a 60 minute B2B podcast, there's not 60 minutes of uh, tangible content in that. Or, or if there is, that's too much for one show. So the recommendation is for B2B podcasts, understand that you want to deliver value, keep it and keep it short, keep it as short as possible and keep it contained like we're doing with this one and try and only touch on points that people can immediately take away. So in this particular article, they're saying, uh, keep it between 12 to 15 minutes teaching over one particular point. And I know that's a fact because Ben Shapiro from the MarTech podcast, he started off with 60 minute shows and then he went down to 30 minute shows and they only got like 50% um, retention. So people only listened to 50% of the show and he finally distilled it down to like 15 or 12 minute shows and he got a hundred percent retention on that show. So when Holy he, cow. And, yeah, he gets a hundred percent retention on his show. So this is not, this is one random article that I found, but I know this works in reality, because he's built a few of these shows with incredible listenership and 100% retention. And if you have a B2B podcast at 100% retention, that's an immense amount of value. That means that you're delivering an immense amount of value. So anyway, that's that's my first my first point. So understand who you're who you're creating the podcast for, and then tailor the actual time frame in which you deliver that content to that particular person so that they consume all of it. If you only have 50% retention on that podcast, obviously they're not listening to the whole lesson. So why are you putting out 30 minutes plus of content if they're not listening to that? That's not delivering any value. Anyways, that's the first one. No, Comments. let's, let's uh, <laughs> let me just put a bow on that. Yeah. Cause that's so, that is so true. I mean, the reality is, is that if you're creating a show, you're creating content because you want to bring value to decision makers, hopefully that will eventually come around and maybe buy your product. If you're in that place of being a decision maker, time is money to you. You don't have like 60 minutes just to listen to something and hopefully pull out the one nugget that was like the reason why you wanted to listen to it in the first place. And what's really interesting about this, this uh, case study with Ben Shapiro is if he's doing this show 
and he's doing like a 12 minute episode and he's getting 100% retainment on a retention on that episode, odds are that per that person who's listening, they're not done with one episode. Like they're, they listen to an episode, they get value. They go on to the next episode. That's about a topic. That's going to answer a question that they have today that they need to answer today. And by the time they're done consuming this content, let's say it's over the course of a week, they would likely have listened to more to more minutes of content than if they listened to one full 60 minute episode from Ben Shapiro, because they're, it's basically putting them in the driver's seat to get as much value according to what they need as possible. So I think that's great. Uh, really tactical takeaway. Keep your episodes short, really be laser focused on who that audience is that you're trying to reach with your content. We say it all the time, be famous with fewer. Don't try to be an entertainment. If you're trying to create a B2B show, don't try to reach the masses, reach the audience that you really want to do business with, get in, provide value, get out as quickly as possible. So let's go on to the second one. So second point is interesting um, because the second point is further identifying who the audience is. So now we know it's a B2B audience and we figured that out. But for some reason, in B2B podcasting, and when I think back to the ones that I have listened to, uh, so I pivoted industries, right? I pivoted from SaaS into CPG. So I listened to a lot of podcasts that were teaching CPG supply chain, CPG sales, direct to consumer, getting into retail, everything to do with CPG. Cause I just, I just immersed myself. Um, but I noticed this particular point is valid as well. So we've defined that we have to do B2B and we have to focus on a particular audience set and we're not trying to get to the masses, but we still don't further define the things that we would normally define if we're running a marketing campaign or a sales campaign. So what do, what do we do when we start selling or marketing anything? especially in B2B, we have ideal customer profile or ICP or TCP, whichever one you want to call it. Then we have our buyer persona. So we have our ideal customer profile. So the actual company size, industry, category, uh, geographic location that that company we want to sell into. And then we have the buyer persona, that person who's the decision maker within that company. These are basic things for any sales or marketing play. And for some reason, the second we start a podcast, we're just like, hey, we're going to hit everyone in the C-suite of our target industry. So I'm going to hit a CEO, CFO, CMO. See, I'm going to try and just get anybody who's in a CPG company that would have any problem, right? So I, I know because I'm listening to podcasts and one podcast will talk about supply chain and the next podcast will talk about um, going to ECRM and talking to buyers from retail. The supply chain conversation is good for a CEO and maybe even the retail. But if I'm trying to sell a product to a larger CPG company, if I really want to be effective with B2B podcasting, I should have a podcast that is 12 to 15 minutes. It's hyper-focused on creating content that's only relevant for a CRO, CMO in a, in a CPG organization or any industry organization. So if I target the whole C-suite, that's like me running the same outbound sales campaign to a CIO, CEO, CRO, CMO, VP finance, director of market. It, does, it would never happen. So why are you creating content like that in podcast form? If you have a product to sell, you still have to target the person that would be the most influential in making that purchasing decision for that product. So I think that that's sometimes lost just because it's a new content medium and no one's explored it before. So... Again, apply the same learnings that you have for your sales and your marketing organization, ICP, BP, so ideal customer profile, buyer persona, to the content and the conversations that you're creating on the podcast so that it's not all over the place. One thing that I would say tactically too, Scott, for those who are, on, who are thinking about creating a show and they're thinking, okay, we want to create this show, but we want to hit two birds with one stone. 
and we want to communicate to two specific uh, different audiences. For example, maybe you're a staffing agency and you want to speak to the clients, the businesses that you're going to be providing recruits for. And you also want to be uh, speaking to the talent that you want to recruit and plug them into these jobs. You have two different audiences completely, two different desires, two different languages that you're trying to speak. The challenge is that people are going to try to be too efficient and try to speak to both audiences in the same show. Mm. My challenge would be think about creating two different shows, one show for the audience, uh, for the B2B audience and one show for the recruits. Don't try to mix them up too much because you will likely end up losing both if you try to speak to both on the same show. There's something about when you create a show, it's almost like you're inviting someone to a party and they, they step into that party and immediately they ask themselves, am I in the right room? You don't want your audience to feel confused about whether or not they're in the right room. You want them to step into that room or listen to that show and have the feeling go through through them or the thought go through their mind. This is where I belong. It was as if this was created just for me. So if you got to pick, pick one, pick whichever one's the priority, build upon that and then move on to the latter one rather than try to combine them. Okay. I would, go on to I the would third even one. say, I would say one more thing that you could do and you can, let me know if you think this is a good idea or not. Sure. Um, if you if you don't do two separate shows, but you do have two specific audiences, I would say make it like explicitly clear, even in like the title of the show. I'm just going to go back to like a, like if I was running um, a podcast that was focused on SaaS sales and SaaS marketing in the title of that particular episode, I would write something like, at the beginning, SaaS marketing, colon, and then the topic. And then I would do SaaS sales and colon, and then the topic. So I would actually, so if somebody's skimming through my shows and my, all my episodes, they would know which ones are meant for which particular person within the organization. And I would also make it as part of the intro too. So like the, you don't have to keep people guessing in the first 15 to 30 seconds, say, welcome to another episode of, you know, like CAFs, SaaS revenue podcast this particular episode is for SaaS sales leaders tune in every every wednesday for a SaaS marketing or i don't know something like that but you make it explicitly clear if you really don't have the bandwidth for whatever reason start two shows i think two shows is probably the best but if you want to roll it into one then you make it like you you over over communicate which show is for this particular person and then which ep and which episode is for this particular person and then which episode is for another kind of person just so that there's no confusion I think that's an important point too. I think that is, that is a great stipulation and I do agree with you, but I will say that there is a trade-off with that because if you go down that route, think about what we just talked about with the 100% uh, retention rate, right? I would, I would yes. even try to measure like return rate, return audience. Who's going to, you know, if you have an audience that subscribes and they're like, I want to binge every single episode. If you do that, you might, you're going to be more efficient, but the risk, the, the risk associated with that is, Half of your audience, if you're doing a show for two different audiences, you're going to have to build two different audiences and half of that audience isn't going to consume half of your content. So Very you just got to be prepared for that. Um, okay. Third point, again, it's all about thinking about what you're trying to accomplish with the show. You should always be answering the question, why should I, what you should be answering the question from the audience's perspective, why should I listen? So what is the clear CTA? What is the clear thing that that person is going to learn and 
and going to be able to action on when they consume your content. I find a lot of B2B shows just throw information out and they don't actually explain to the person exactly what they're going to be taking away from that particular episode and or the entire show. If you move away from B2B podcasting and you think about best practices from YouTube creators, what do you always, what does a YouTube creator, even like a Mr. Beast will always say in the first 15 seconds, explain explicitly what that person is going to take away from yeah. that podcast, from that, from that 10 minute YouTube video in this video, I'm going in to this video. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to. And that's, it's so simple, but that's, that's not done. So that, so what they, what do they do? They introduce the guests, they talk about their accolades. They don't actually explain what we're going to, and they, sometimes they do, but majority, they just start doing the interview and they just start chatting and they just speak about, or we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this, but they're not saying what you're going to learn. They're not saying you are going to be able to do this at the end of this podcast, do that up front, as opposed to doing some summary at the end after the conversation is already done. So take lessons from YouTube creators that tell you in the first 30 seconds that hook as to why you should stick around so that people know why they should be listening. So that's another thing I think is definitely lost. I don't even have anything to add to that. I think it's as simple as that. Just tell, I would say one thing that we, we talk about in public communication is when you're creating the format for anything, whether it's a keynote speech or even a podcast or YouTube video, there's three things you got to do. Number one, tell them what you're going to tell them. Number three, number two, tell them. <laughs> and then number three, I almost forgot how to count. <laughs> number three, tell them what you told them. Okay. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So you're giving them, as you mentioned, like your talent, you're casting vision for your, where you're going to go in the middle. You kind of unpack that. That might be like, if the first part is the, you know, let's say it's a 25% of your message. The middle is the, is 50%. And then at the end you summarize, remind them what you told them. That's the final 25%. Okay. So that's great. Let's okay. go on to number four. Okay. So I have five, I have five points total. All right. We're going like, to have a bonus two. one. Let's do it. There's, there's two that are very important. The, the fourth point is that people don't have conversations. And I think for two seasoned podcasters like us that we're having right now, we're cool riffing on stuff. I'll throw it over to you. You throw it back to me. You have a counterpoint. You're okay when you screw up counting. You like, you're like oh, I almost forgot how to count. Like <laughs> you don't care because that's like how real people talk, right? That's sure. how people actually communicate. And I find that when people that do entertainment podcasts, they usually have a little bit of a personality already. They've, they've, they have some sort of person, not everyone, but a lot of them have a little bit of a personality. But when you throw somebody into a B2B podcast, it could be a senior exec or it could be like a junior marketing person and they've never created content before and they're not comfortable on camera. You start to get, uh, in some cases, like a little bit of like a question, answer, question, answer. And it feels like so regimented and it feels awkward and uncomfortable mm. and nobody likes it at all. So the best podcasters are the best conversationalists. They're, look at, yeah. look at again, Joe Rogan. I'm not telling you to do a three-hour podcast, but this man can talk about anything, right? He's just a conversationalist. And actually, I should find an article that talks about how Joe Rogan keeps conversations going for three hours because he has different types of ways to pull out additional information. When I say something, he'll ask follow-up questions in a certain way. Even if you don't know a lot about the topic, there's a lot of good podcasting and conversation things that you can learn from somebody like that. But ultimately it has to be a conversation, not a question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So 
work on not outlining every single question that you're going to ask in the podcast, but work on being able to to just riff on things, to to converse, to respond, to retort, to just have like like a normal conversation like you would have with somebody in a coffee shop. So don't feel like if somebody's hit on a really good point that you should just move on to the next thing immediately. Like take a second and just chat about it and go deeper. I know that, you know, there's all these different ways to get the most out of somebody. Like you go like five levels of why, or, you know, you ask like why, why, why. And every time you ask why, or you go in level deeper, like there'll be more that will be pulled out. Remember you're talking to like industry experts. They love this stuff. So give them a topic that they're passionate about and push them to go deeper and push them to and, and ask why this happened or ask why this didn't work. Because sometimes when somebody's being interviewed, if they're not interviewed a lot, they'll also forget things and they'll also forget certain nuances of a thing that they have figured out in their business that is going to be highly relevant to the audience. So push them a little bit and it'll, it'll feel awkward at first, but it don't worry because they're used, they, they actually appreciate it because it gives them the opportunity to go a little bit deeper, but also yourself as the interviewer, start to just riff on people's topics and don't feel like you just have to move on to the next thing immediately. It'll make for a much more organic conversation, which again is increasing the, um, the listenability, if that's a metric, the listenability of the show, because people just like listening to people, not robots. I want to give a couple of tips that are going to help somebody who wants to become a better conversationalist when they're doing their show. Just, I literally just wrote these down as you were sharing this. So you can, uh, I'd love to hear if you agree or disagree, Scott. The first thing that I would say, because you're, I a hundred percent agree about not making it too scripted, putting too, too many questions. That's like your goal is to get from one question to the next. Cause the audience can feel that. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I believe is a, an outline is still really important to help give you direction, yeah. but to make your outline really like a skeleton, right? Like it's really, it really should be very simple, as simple as possible. Even in this conversation, quite honestly, we have a very simple outline. We have a plan. We have a little, we had a little, uh, surprise. We're going to have a bonus one after this, which I actually love. I'm glad that we have a bonus one after this fourth one, but we have enough structure to tell us where we're going, but enough breathing room so that we can go down these different trails together. And so that's why I think would be really helpful. People will be more confident in going off the rails and going into these little tangents if they have a very simple outline that at least keeps them safe and headed towards the right destination. That's the first thing. And the second thing that I would say is to practice genuine curiosity as the host, because your audience will be able to tell if you're disengaged, if you aren't asking good questions, if you're, uh, if you're not, um, you know, asking stories and like really just showing that you're, you're interested, like the audience is going to be vicariously curious and interested through the host. So you have to lead through that. And one really simple way to practice that is like when you're at a party, you know, I don't know if you're like a social butterfly, Scott, I'm not like I, when I go to parties, I don't want to talk to 20 people and have a 30 second conversation. I'd rather find like three, one to three interesting people and have a meaningful 10 minute conversation with those individuals. And so I'll kind of like keep volleying up. And like when the conversation feels like it's going in for a landing, I'll just like, I'll try to see how we can keep it going and try to mine it out of them and continue to keep them be the topic. Like if, if they're talking about themselves, you get this as being a salesperson. If you can get them to talk about themselves, like that's going to be anybody's most interesting topic of conversation. 
And so learning how to practice keeping the volleying up and keeping that conversation in the air before you actually press record. No, that's very smart. I love it. Um, I think that I'm also the same way when it comes to parties and whatnot. Like you try and go deep with people. It's more fun to go deep with people, but also I don't want to just reiterate when you focus on what people care about, which is their own lives, their own stories, their own passions, you pull up the most interesting insights and in and and be present too. Yeah. Like be present. Like that's why it's don't have your phone on God forbid and be like texting or don't have other tabs open. Like be very present with that person because they read it and they feel it when you actually care about what they're doing. Let's go. Number five. Yeah. The bonus. Okay. Number five. Number five. I'm actually, I'm, I'm so bad. I'm combining two into one thought <laughs> for a fifth. So it's actually five and six, but I'll explain why. So the five and six, which is really just five is understanding where the podcast fits in your funnel and understanding the CTA that's associated with that portion of your funnel and then include that CTA. It's almost three. Oh my God. That's almost three things, but <laughs> you have to be aware. Cause this is the B2B part, portion of it, right? Yeah, for sure. This is the B. So understand where the podcast sits in your funnel is a top of funnel. Is it for converting people that have already consumed 10 hours of your content and have uh, gotten 20 emails from you and had four phone calls from your inside sales team. I don't know where it is, but no, you have to know where it is as the, as the, as the person who's putting this out into the world as a business leader. And then also include that CTA that makes sense for that part of the funnel. So if it's top of funnel and they've never heard of you before and you're hoping to get, you know, maybe you throw it up on YouTube and YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world and somebody discovers you there, then your CTA maybe should be to find a way to capture their email, download a white paper, whatever it is, go to a webinar. I don't know. But the point is figure it out, have a CTA, include that CTA and reiterate it um, in the show notes as well, as well as verbally when you're actually recording so that you don't just leave it open so that you tell people where they should go. And if you, if you sync that up, if you sync up your ideal customer profile, your buyer persona, where you are in the actual funnel, either the marketing or the sales funnel. Um, and then you actually have a CTA. That's when you start to see, like very tangible results from a B2B podcast. That's my last one. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you're thinking even contextually where that piece of content's going to live because we've talked about this before. If you're going to do a show, especially a video podcast, the ability to repurpose your content is almost endless. Like you can use mm -hmm. it on almost every different platform, but you also have to be cognizant of how people consume content on those platforms and understand like where would that where would that platform fit in the in the entire buyer's funnel journey. The buyer's journey is probably yep. the best way to to the to to highlight like that's what you have to figure out. And if you don't have your buyer's journey figured out, and you're just throwing out a different piece of content or medium, you will be frustrated with the results. You know, Scott, as we close this out, I think it'd be fair to our audience to know that we're on this journey together. Like we're here to learn. We're here to grow. Uh, we haven't figured out the perfect formula. I'll tell you what, I'm interested in seeing the rest of that list, but I'm already pretty convicted by a couple of these. So I would love to hear from you first, like which one of these sticks out to you personally that you're excited to implement for your own show? Mm, it's a great, it's a great question. I think for me, I think a better CTA. That's personally my goal, a better CTA. And the reason why for me, because I, I do know my audience, I feel like I can converse relatively well after doing like something like 300 different episodes. Like I don't really have a problem with that, but for me, it's a CTA and that's more of a personal business decision. Like where do I want to send people in my 
in my personal funnel in my brand or my business's funnel. And that's what I have to sort of cement. So I'm, I'm, you know, like if you can't do teach, whatever it is, what it is, but, um, (laughs) but that's something that you always should solve for. And it's not like, it's not static either. Right. And the reason why I have that issue is because my podcast is more associated with my personal brand than my business, but my business, my personal brand is a business. It is monetized. I do have advertisers. I do have newsletter subscribers. I think my CTA right now, is to go subscribe for my newsletter and i'm a big fan of like owning email lists um as opposed and keeping and moving people from all the different social platforms into your own email list when you then you can really control that audience so that's my cta right now but i mean i'll i'll always think through what i want to accomplish do i want to send people to youtube to subscribe do i want to send people to a product that i have would eventually create to get them to buy that i have no idea but that's something that i think is if you nail in all the other things, that's the one thing that you always have to keep thinking through. That's great. I, I love that call to action piece too. And I really, I'm gonna be thinking through specifically how to leverage all these different channels a little bit better, a little bit a little bit more with more focus for different calls to action for each of those, those different channels, even though it's kind of the same content, it's the same content just in different places. Mm-hmm. What really stuck out to me the most was the part about going, uh, being more hyper-focused with the, the episodes, right? Because even on our mm-hmm. show, I don't think we have many episodes that go anywhere super close to 60 minutes, but we're kind of sitting around the 45 minute mark. And as a consumer of content myself, I appreciate a 15 to 20 minute episode that's very laser focused, that's very tactical, that goes right to the point. And so that's going to be something that I'm really, I'm going to be really thinking through about how we move forward and making sure that if anyone's going to commit any, any amount of time to listening to our show, that they never feel like, okay, let's hurry it up. Let's get to the point. I would never want to leave an audience feeling that way. So this was great, Scott. Thanks so much for not doing your homework Pleasure. and uh, stealing your, <laughs> rip, ripping it off the internet. Cause this is, this is actually really meaningful. It, I think I'm going to get better. I think you're going to get better and hopefully our audience produces better content because of it. So thanks a lot. All right. No worries, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. 
That's netsuite.com slash Scott Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, 
drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 